This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that was running around City with its pee-pee hanging out. Anyway, enough of my <laughs> smut. Uh, Antonio Conte's blue and white army pulled off a superb victory against many pundits' title favourites, Man City, led by the sanctimonious Saint Pep Guardiola. Anyway, sticking to the religious theme... Moses got one over on Jesus, and that's now eight wins out of eight for Chelsea, whose resurrection puts Lazarus to shame. Forget your blue moon, we're in blue heaven. And I am Stamford Chidge, and the the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast Taking the Pep. Uh, now, joining me, it seems, I was just talking to the boys before we went on air, actually, and it just seems like ages since we've done this. It's not at all, I mean, you know, it's only a week or so, but... It bloody well feels like a long time because I sadly missed uh, the podcast uh, after the Spurs match for which I'm massively, massively apologetic, but I'm afraid it was unavoidable. But anyway, joining me on tonight's show, I have Jonathan Kidd. It's a joy to be here, Chidge, as always. In such a yeah, it's good to be back, company. isn't it? Such illustrious company. Indeed, indeed. We've got a cracking lineup tonight. We've also got in amongst us, we have the uh, wonderful Dan Silver. Hello, mate. Hey, Dan. I'm all right. I've decided I've got a new nickname for you. I'm going to call you the Dan Silver Machine. Okay. Well, that's no why. you mean? Well, he's, well no, because it's, I don't know, it's just a Hawkwind thing, isn't it, Marco? I know. No. That's what I mean. We've got a silver machine. And he's still, and feeling, still mean. feeling mean. Exactly. He's a mean, mean silver machine. Great, Dan, it's great to have you on, on the show tonight. Yeah. It's been a while, mate, yeah, hasn't good, it? Yeah, good to be back. You know, my dad answered with Tony Glover. I feel good to be back at my spiritual home. Yeah, I, I, I saw you were whoring yourself out. You're so desperate, man. I know, honestly. God, yeah. You, know, you, should, you should, you know, at least, at least kind of toy with them and say, oh, I'll do it maybe in a few months. But, you, you know, you're too keen, mate. I know, I know. Well, Glover's such a charmer. You know, what can I say? He is. 
He is, he is, he is. Now, last but by no means least, we have the scholarly erudite. Uh, in fact, actually, uh, Marco has written a brilliant article on ESPN about the guts and the glory of Chelsea. Uh, but I am, as, as always, not only delighted, but excited to have my great chum, Mark Worrell, on the show tonight. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Good to be on. Been a while. Longer than Chase Fabregas, I think. Mm. Yeah, I know. Chelsea fan cars seem about as rare as a Chess Fabregas appearance at the moment, but never mind. Uh, now, uh, we'll get on with the show. And by the way, actually, people, uh, because as Mark uh, tweeted beautifully earlier on today, uh, people of a certain age, like uh, certainly all of us sitting around the uh, the airwaves tonight, um, remember a time when you would uh, gather around your wireless and uh, listen live to the uh, to the FA Cup draw. So we're all keeping half an eye an, uh, an eye on the. Uh, well, I've got my eye on the BBC website actually to see who Chelsea get. Now Marco's hope, hoping for you're hoping for Sutton United, aren't you, Marco? Yeah, or Wimbledon. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I quite fancy Eastley away for me because that would be a giggle. But uh, Jonathan, who who do you want in the cup? Well, funny enough, I wanted Wimbledon as well, but uh, uh, not away. I don't want to go away mm. to a small club, but um, somewhere, yeah, somewhere. Uh, who's in? A Barnet's still in? I don't know. No, I think they're, sure. out, they're out. I don't I think. They're out, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. yeah well. But yeah, yeah. That's Dan, who do you fancy? Sorry, Jonathan. As long as it's not a, long as it's not a Premier League side, please. Can we get rid of yeah. that? Can we not yeah. away? Thank you. Yeah. I want somewhere okay, we've not uh, been. Dan, who, who? Somewhere we've not been. So I don't want a derby or anywhere. You know where we've been like in a couple of times in the last few years. So a, a new ground to visit, maybe. Some, okay, some... well, look, we're, we're, we is keeping our eye on that. Uh, I'm sure you lot out there who are listening live are as well. In fact, knowing you lot, you'll tell us um, exactly uh, who uh, who we get before we even realise. Uh, so there we go. But ch- uh, loads of you in there already, actually. And uh, John Chips Chiver, he wants, he wants, uh, John Chips Chiverton wants Tottenham away. Yes, we we'll always want that. Don't no, we? Please, I don't think no. so. Give, give me Eastley tonight. Anyway, enough, enough, enough. We should get on with the show. Now, on the show tonight, we will be uh, talking Chelsea Agro as the denouement of the match saw a very petulant City spit their dummies out and get two reds for their trouble. In part two, we'll be asking, was Gary Cahill unlucky or uh, or was it a bad error? Was the defence ragged or outstanding? Uh, we will proclaim Costa world-class and celebrate some outstanding counter-attacking football. In part three... Thanks to me being busy last week, we, re- we revisit the Spurs match, as promised, and ask, have I got Pedro all wrong? And how good did it feel to keep Spurs in their rightful place? Uh, in part four, Jonathan has his work cut out, as we have five cracking emails to discuss from Daniel Cabral, Daniel Barker, Mark MacBergson, John Carpenter, and Dilbert Pickles. I would imagine that some of these chaps are in Mixler right now. I do hope so. Uh, and talking of which, you can, of course, listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock live by going to Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. Uh, and finally, um, I just quickly get this in. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen Mark's name in here. I'm sure he'll turn up eventually. Uh, but I'd like to send a personal thank you to Mark Barfoot for helping James Coppert out for his birthday uh, Mark will know why, and so will James. And James, thanks you, uh, thank you for your email. I will reply to you when I get a second this week. But, uh, ah, Mark is in the house. I wonder if you just heard me uh, mentioning my thanks to you, Mark, for sorting James Copper out. But anyway, both of you are very much definitely proper chels, and I love you both. 
So there you go. Um, now, after this very, very short break, uh, we will be talking Chelsea versus Man City. the show uh right um yeah i've entitled this chelsea aggro i kind of want to start reverse order this week really um i mean there's loads to talk about and, and i'm sure we'll get on with that in a minute but uh the first thing first things first um sergio kun aguero the t of course is silent as we all know um it was fascinating that tackle on louise i mean i thought it was horrific when i saw it um but the the, the only interesting thing was that nearly all the pundits were saying that's one of the worst uh attempted leg breakers they'd seen and it was truly awful but I mean you know he was doing it all game I mean he didn't say you know he, he left his foot in on Cahill and Pedro and of course he's got that history with Louise where he actually stamped on Louise um my question really is it, it, a is a four four game ban enough and and what on earth would that have been Costa I think we'd been reading a very different story Jonathan what's your take on that first of all well it was completely foul wasn't it I mean, a dreadful, dreadful tackle. And what I hate about Aguero is he has no emotion on his face when he does these things. Um, he, he, he sort of he looks like a little boy lost after he's done it. Whereas our Costa, you know where you are because he has a, a look as if he's going to kill you on his face when he does that does that kind of thing. Which I'm pleased to say he hasn't been doing, and he seems to be under wonderful control as we will be discussing. But um, it was a, a vile, vile tackle, wasn't it? And as you say he's very sly he's a very sly um, uh, um fowler of people which i mean, in a sense you, you you've got to give it to him because um you know you, uh, he, he's such a great player that there has to be something else going on but um uh, I, I think it's because he's so obviously not a villain figure that he almost gets away with it um but as you say if it had been costa he would have been um uh, obviously sent off and then it would have been a, a you know a 19 game ban or something ridiculous because the the press would have gone absolutely well, absolutely berserk with him, wouldn't they the media so, somebody on twitter said that if costa had done it they would have deported him yeah, <laughs> absolutely right but yeah uh, no i'm just i mean quite um um and if, i've forgotten all about the double stamp the stamp on uh, on Louis from the semi, of course. So there's obviously huge history between the two of them, which I, I'd like to know where it comes from. Is it because of the well, the, the Brazil Argentina um, yeah uh, setup? Is that what's been happening? I reckon. I reckon. I reckon you might be right there, Jonathan. Yeah. 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 I reckon. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon it might have a lot to do with that. But I mean, you know, I don't think he's. I don't think he's sly. I think he's bloody obvious. You know, he. he, he it, it, it. You know. <laughs> we're bordering into getting borderline racist if we're not careful, but I think it, it, there's something quite dirty and sinister about him in a quite an Argentinian way, really. I suppose what I meant by um, sly is that there isn't a. Is he? He still has this this sort of guiltless look on his face whenever he does it. So you know, so even after yeah. he'd done it, he still there's no kind of no admission also that he's done something awful. He just you know he did yeah. a double flip backwards and sort of. After he'd been pushed over by Chalabar, and looks like the almost like the guilty party. Sorry, they're not the sorry the put upon party, not the guilty one, as if somehow he's innocent. It, it, it. Marco, Marco, is is he not related to Maradona somehow? 
Huaguero. Yeah. I think he might be married. I don't know. He's married to his daughter. Yeah. So he's not related to him then. But but Maradona, Maradona was a hothead, wasn't he? Yeah. Whereas Aguero, you know, along with Fernandinho and one or two others, there's there's always that simulation going on there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's the South American thing, isn't it, really? Although there are people in here who are from South America who might disagree with us. I mean, Felix, Felix Verón, who I love to pieces, as he well knows, uh, has used the word that I was going to use for Aguero, egregious, Marco. As our resident egregious. wordsmith, I would imagine you would approve of that. Goodness me. Mm. Indeed. It means, it means foul and horrible, doesn't it? Well, I think that pretty much sums him up. Um, I mean, I thought, for, I, I, you know, to be honest, I thought Fernandino wasn't much better. I mean, it was just... I mean, to be fair, actually, I think that, that, that dear old uh, Fabregas actually mugged him off beautifully because he did give him a bit of a slap. He did. Uh, and, he did. and it obviously wound up Fernandinho. But, I mean, he kept on... I mean, you know, whether, whether, he, whether he pushed him with enough force to... I mean, somebody... I was watching some, uh, Sunday Supplement and they were quite funny because they were saying that Fabregas kept on checking to see how near he was to the yes. barrier before he yes. fell over it. Yes. I thought he um, threw himself backwards over the fence, actually. He looked a bit like that because he was aware the camera was on him. Yeah. But either way, either way, it got Fernandino a red card, which he utterly, utterly deserved. I mean, Dan, one of the, the most pleasurable... I mean, I do like it. I mean, you know, I'll be really honest with you here, and I know it's a, I know it's a massive sign of my utter, utter immaturity, uh, and I'm the first to admit that, um, but I love it. I love it. I just I love it in a Kevin Keegan way when there's a bit of aggro on the pitch and the whole team piles in and it all gets a bit handbags. I've got to be honest, I love that. Yes. i tell you what I love most, Dan. I love the fact that Chaloba piled in on Aguero immediately. And the other thing I loved about that, Dan, was the fact that uh, Gary Neville, who was doing the commentary, because of course I, I was watching on the telly, um, he said he, he, he absolutely thought it was brilliant that, that Chaloba did that. He said, if you, see, if you see your teammate assaulted like that, he said, that's a natural reaction and he said he wouldn't he wouldn't have a bad word to say about Chaloba for doing that. But, ha- you know, fair play to the young lad to, to stick up for us, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he literally took the words out of my mouth. He was, he was first on the scene. He was like, what did he do to my mate? It was, you know, it was aggressive. It was in your face. And what, what I'm delighted is that, you know, in a bigger picture, Conte trusts him to come in for big games to kind of see the game out. But Aguero was just a despicable challenge. I mean, he got done early in the season for a sly elbow, and that was done retrospectively. So he's, he's, he's got form. It, it, yeah. You know, it's very much you know the media narrative will depend who you play for. You know, if, if you're, you know, although we, although this year we've had better media, as Aguero, you know, it's, it's Man City sets so all right. It's, it's, it's a load of bollocks sometimes. You know, that being like Alexis Sanchez, oh, it's the right place for Arsenal. It doesn't matter. Place for Chelsea, send him away, send him home. It's a bit, mm. it's a bit nuts. But no, it was, it was a, it was you know, Fernandinho was getting more and more wound up by Fabregas, who just wasn't reacting. And it was great to see because I was at, I was at a wedding so with very bad reception, so I was watching like you know little Twitter feeds really slowly. And some well, you mean the, the the wedding reception was bad or your radio? Oh, no, reception? My, my phone reception was bad. It was in the middle of nowhere. And most time I was on GPRS. <laughs> so every time I kind of stuck one leg north and one leg east, I got reception. But um, no, I, w- I watched the highlights yesterday. It was, yeah, it's, it's it's frustration, but that that's gone above and beyond what what is you know normal and acceptable. And Aguero is Maradona's son-in-law. 
So that's it all really, doesn't it? Yeah. I've got to say, I think Fernandino's a, a, a nasty little dirty player. He, he leaves his foot in all over the pitch. Anyway, there's another question I'm going to ask Jonathan, actually, because Jonathan tends... Well, I don't know, actually. I'll leave the listeners to determine this. I like to think that Jonathan is usually quite level-headed about these things, but uh, we shall see. Um, I mean, here's the thing. You know, was the ref culpable at all? Because, I mean... There's an argument that Luis barged Aguero off the ball that could have been a red card. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could equally that, argue, that... I think. That, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. You could equally argue that Aguero actually ran into him. Or, or, or you know, in other words, so instead of, you know, by, by not acting then, he kind of invited stuff happening later. Or, or were the City players just really petulant like their manager, Jonathan? I think that they were completely frustrated by the, uh, um, the way the match had gone because there was a 20-minute mm. period where... And particularly when um, De Bruyne hit the bar, where uh, which obviously we'll talk about later, where they were completely in control, and uh, we did really well to stop them from scoring. And I think it got to them. Particularly the look on De Bruyne's face at the end of the game was as if he was going to burst into tears because they were really upset by by uh, the fact that they'd been beaten. Um, whether um, yeah. whether Guardiola had said this. You know, uh, we, we'll manage it. We're better than them because on the on the day they weren't better than us. But I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced that that, um, that Aguero taking uh, Luis out was anything to do with the barge. Because um, uh, the, the dilemma with these things is, is I immediate my immediate reaction was, oh my God, he's taken him out and uh, um, he's he's stopped him from scoring. They'll be sent off. But I, I think the law is isn't. That it, it, you have done have to look for other players. It's whether you can actually ascertain whether you think the player is then going to go and score. And he uh, was a very long breaking, way away. Breaking very news. Long way. He's what? Say again. Uh, breaking news. Not County or Peterborough at home. Oh, fantastic! Wait, hang on. How did you get that so quick? On Twitter, Ian Roger. There's really oh, hell. I mean, I'm, of, st- I'm still bemoaning the fact that we. I know it's not up on the BBC website yet. I mean, I've I've just noticed scrolling down here that that we, I, I was just about to say a breaking news we've we've not got Millwall away or West Ham because uh, Bournemouth have got them or West Ham because City yeah because that was the other one on the cards. Here we go. Yeah, Dan, it's confirmed. Not that I wasn't uh, not that I was doubting what you had to say, Dan, because you're usually first off the blocks. But we've got Notts County or Peterborough at home. Goodness wow. gracious me, Marco, <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, well, could be could be Misty's first game actually. Really? Yeah, her birthday's in January, so I was I, I did actually have whole city at home penciled in, but that's a four thirty Sunday mm. kickoff. So well, depends on the kickoff time, and I can't imagine this one being on the TV at all. So it might be a, spares already uh, on the market. So how old how old is she, Marco? She'll be seven. Seven, you see, because my daughter is seven, but she's not interested. She says, well, to, yeah. she says to me, "Where are you?" She says to me, "Where are you going, Daddy?" I said, I said "I'm going to the football." And she says, "Again?" She says, <laughs> "Misty still refers to Chelsea as an entity." So she, she like she said to me on Saturday. <laughs> Did it, did it win? Did it win? <laughs> did it win? Well, I mean, to be fair, Marco, to be fair, Marco, we do just call them the Chels. So they are in that yeah, respect true. an entity. I'll tell you what, um, can, listen, can, I just, given... can I just, I've just got to share something with you related to the Chalabar in, incident, which really made me, it was the funniest thing that I saw on Twitter on, on, um, on Saturday, on, on Saturday, and I did retweet it, but I mean, in the heat of everything, I'm not sure how many people saw it. But a fella called at Gallagher, 
Gala Galore um, tweeted a photograph of Chalabar pushing Aguero and Aguero's like flying over. Anthony Taylor, the ref, stood behind and Gala Galore's written next to it, everyone's a gangster till a gangster walks in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I did see that. I did. Really brilliant. Yeah, quite funny. I like that. I like that. Listen, very quickly talking about Notts County or Peterborough. I mean, actually, we've had both both of those sides in the cup uh, in, 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 you know, not the not the too distant past. And I remember, I think it might have been the League Cup we played uh, Notts County. And uh, didn't we, um, uh, I don't know, give them a load of signed shirts or something? No, we gave them they the gate were in real financial. I think we gave them the gate We gave receipts. them the gate receipt, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's that was- right. And of course, Notts County, here we go. This is, I, I think it'd be lovely to get Notts County, actually, because, of course, Notts County famously uh, uh, donated a load of their shirts to Juventus when Juventus started, which is why Juventus play in black and white, which, bearing in mind that Conte used to be the Juventus manager, would be lovely and fitting. But we played Peterborough in the not-too-distant past either, and I think that might have been on one of our our cup runs. I thought we played them in 1966 in the fourth round, and we won 4-1. You've just you looked there, there, I expect. No, I haven't looked at it. I really haven't. I seriously haven't. That's what's so awful about my mind. I haven't looked it up. I, I, I was there, and I remember it, and I don't know why. Because there's other games and, and scores I have no recollection of at all. Why I've remembered that, God only knows. I can't remember who scored. Um, I'm staggered and I'm impressed in equal measure, JK. Anyway, look, back to the City game. Uh I thought the other thing that was a bit shitty uh, was uh, Pep refusing to shake hands with the players. I mean, I've got this feeling about... Sorry, Chidge, one yeah, last of course, thing about yeah. Aguero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Cahill scored the own goal, he was absolutely despicable in ruffling, yeah, yes. ruffling Cahill's hair. I forgot to say that. That was really low yeah. and very akin, I have to say, to John Aldrich doing the same. Um, yeah. Uh, in a, in, another, in, another shit. In, in, in another shit. Absolutely right. Another shit. I can't remember whether it was a cup final or something, but that was that's lowest of a low time. Absolutely dreadful. You know what, Jonathan? If if John Aldrich was Argentinian, he'd look like Kun Aguero. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, um, anyway, that's as I was really saying about Pep, it's really obscure, but yeah. Well, you know, I can be I can do obscure, um, obscure with Chidge. The, the Welsh South American look you're after, isn't it? Well, of course, as you all know from watching Ripping Yarns, that wonderful Michael Palin TV series from about five million years ago, uh, the famous episode Across the Andes by Frog uh, <laughs> had them listening to Arsenal beating Cardiff City, or Cardiff City, I should say, beating Arsenal in the 1927 uh, FA Cup final. One uh, nil. Of course, there's a big Welsh community in Patagonia, as we know. Yes, yes, well done, yes. In fact, they took football over there, didn't they? It's, it's all the Welsh's fault. That's what I'm really getting at. Anyway, we must move on. Um, the point that I was about to make about Guardiola is that, frankly, he's, he's no better than Jose in some respects. Jose gets this incredibly bad press for being horrible, cantankerous, you name it. What, choose your adjective and they'll label him with it. But actually, I think Guardiola's a bit of a shit and he gets away with it. I mean, he's deified by the press. So apart from everything else about beating them, I was really delighted to stick one on that little shit as well. Uh, Marco. Well, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about uh, Guardiola, Mourinho. Um, you know, I know United didn't lose yesterday, but Mourinho immediately um, had a go at the media. I can't remember what for, but he, but he was basically just in the face 
of uh, getting in the face of all the criticism. I just think these guys have no humility. Um, obviously, that they, they Guardiola's not used to losing, is he? Let's face it. No. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. To, you know, he really isn't. And, he, you know, he's put his reputation on the line to come to the Premier League. And, you know, I guess, you know, he pulled that result off against United at Old Trafford earlier in the season. Um, and it all went swimmingly, didn't it, for the first five games, I think. Um, and now he's been found out. Um, you know, he... I, 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 wrote an article the other day. I think in the, in the build-up to that game, he'd used something like 46... Um, he'd made 46 changes uh, to his starting 11 so far this season. Um, I can't remember what the stat was for Chelsea, but it was phenomenally below that. And I, I just don't think he's got any kind of um, team spirit uh, fostered in, in that camp at the moment. Um in the same way, I'm not entirely sure Mourinho managed to do it at Chelsea. I think it was more, it was already there in the dressing room. Um, and, and he just jumped on the back of it. And I, I really do think Guardiola's, you know, he's been found out. And I think if he fails on the European stage, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens there because... It's easy to be a good manager in a in a relatively uncompetitive league, you know. Um, but the Premier League's a different beast altogether. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's. A, I don't. I, don't, I mean, it's I, don't, you know, I, I actually, li I actually like him. I think. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to one of his TV interviews after the game, and you know, he was saying, "Look, fair play, we got beaten." Um, you know, the rest of it, I don't know. I, I, I certainly yeah. wouldn't cast him. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not disaffected with him in the same way, perhaps, as I am with uh, Mourinho for different reasons. Um, I just don't, yeah. I just think I'll just put him in that category of, of people in football who, who aren't as good as they think they are. And yeah. I'll be really honest. I'll, I'll be I'll be really honest with you, Marco. I can't stand him, and never have been able to. And I and I, and I have a suspicion it's to do with the number of games we played against his Barcelona. And I've always felt there was something a bit shitty about him, um, which is just my own. Per <laughs> well, I know I was going to alert you to that fact. No doubt you'll be going along to that one, possibly, mate. That's a local derby yeah. if ever there was yeah. one. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let me alert you to a wonderful uh, post on Mixler by B. Pacheco, who says, and I think he, he, he beautifully uh, kind of clarifies what you were saying, actually, Marco. He says, this might be the first time in Guardiola's career that he hasn't had the best team in the league. I think he's finding it harder than he anticipated it, and that's what's irking him. I think that's an absolutely bang-on point. And the other thing I would like to say, just to, to round this off uh, before we go to part two, is of course Guardiola has got an appalling record against Chelsea. Whoever he's managed uh, for, he's never beaten Chelsea in ninety minutes. So I think the only time he has beaten us, uh, possibly, was the Bayern Munich Super Cup final. I could be wrong, but uh, he's got a really atrocious record against Chelsea. So I'm delighted uh, to see our good record against Guardiola 
continue, and I'm delighted to see that we both weighed and measured City. Now, on that very happy note, uh, we, we're going to a quick break, but afterwards, uh, we're going to be asking, uh, was Gary Cahill unlucky, or was it a bad error? Was the defence ragged or outstanding? And we will proclaim Costa world-class and celebrate some outstanding counter-attacking football. We'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, we're back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Now, as always, just a quick plug uh, for the Kerry Dixon preview show, which I record each week. You'll be delighted and amazed to know. Um, It's usually available on a Thursday or a Friday and it is a superb listen. And I'm not just saying that because it's Kerry, but uh, the beautiful thing about it is it's only about half an hour. We preview... uh, We normally preview the game coming up at the weekend. We quite often try and delve back into... You know, Kerry's illustrious past with Chelsea as well. And the best thing about it, of course, is that actually Kerry does most of the talking and I talk uh, very, very infrequently, which is great. So uh, please, please, please download it uh, and uh, get it, you know, Thursday or Friday, as I said. It's a cracking show and uh, it's it's good because it's supporting and helping Kerry, which is what it's all about. Uh, Acast, iTunes and SoundCloud. As always, talking about supporting Kerry, if you haven't already, go and get yourself a copy of his wonderful biography up front. Uh, It's available, I think, for around 15 quid on Amazon, and uh, occasionally he does book signings at the CFC UK stall, doesn't he, Mark? He he does indeed, and in fact, he will be doing another one on New Year's Eve, before the Stoke game. Oh, there we go, so that'll be a cracker. All right, on with the football. Um, Poor old Gary Cahill... Um, you know, when I when I saw it live, and I actually did see the see it's obviously you know I was watching on the telly, but you know when I saw it, I just thought, well, that was a bit unlucky, you know. But then when I watched, I recorded the match as well, and then watched it again yesterday, and Gary Neville absolutely, you know, caned him for it. Um, I still I still err on the side of the fact that he was a bit unlucky. But the, the, I think the thing that really irks me most is that um, you know Gary Cahill gets. So much grief. Why? Why are Chelsea supporters so quick to get on 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 Cahill's back, Dan? I don't know. I mean, listen, every defender has bad games. But generally, this season he's been pretty good. Um, he's yeah. an easy target because he's not John Terry. A lot, of, a lot of these people are maybe not necessarily aware of you know a, a talented footballer because you don't you know win everything there is to win a domestic game play. Was it 200 games for Chelsea? You know, multiple Indian cats were being a bad player. At the start of the season, defensively, we were shocking. Everyone was bad. And since we've gone back to the, uh, you know, the three at the back, he's been very good because he's got, you know, on the right side of the defence with Louise and Aspi. I think he looks very solid. I've got a lot of time for him. You know, he's a good, solid player. Okay, he's not world class in my opinion, but he's he's one of the top Premier League defenders out there. And people's Mm. Views are sort of misguided. And when he, you know, when he's counting his money and his medals, I don't think he'll care what what you know, Bunjab from Bangladesh thinks about him. To be honest, mm. I mean, I think he, I think he's a really, he's a lovely lad as well, actually. And I, I mean, you know, I think it's important to have some English players playing for Chelsea. He's been there a long time. He's won everything with us, he, he, and he, and he is, you know, I know people who who have met him. 
and they say he's a really really likable bloke you know uh, and, and and bleeds blue for chelsea what more what more what more do you bloody want you know i mean i agree with you dan you know i wouldn't say he's world class but he, he's good he's good enough and he's been good enough for us for a long time but i mean talking of the defense jonathan um i i just kind of begs a question because you know there are two schools of thought on this either either you know, we were we were very very ragged, and I think particularly down the right hand side, we were being torn a new one in the first half, or we were absolutely outstanding because at the end of the day, you know, City could and should have scored two, two, three, four goals in the first half, but we only kept them down to one. I mean, where do you sit on that particular fence, mate? I think we were lucky, and I think what the problem was with mm. Moses was being taken to the cleaners by by Sane. Um, uh, from an attacking point of view. He's a good player. Because he wasn't defending very well. But then, perversely, exactly the same thing happened later on because Moses was much more advanced. I mean, let's be honest, Moses isn't isn't a great defender. He's just very, very speedy. You know, my theory is was always, well, we had Ivanovic, who was a very good defender, but a terrible crosser of the ball. We've now got a fantastic crosser of the ball, not a great defender. And he had worked it out, um, Guardiola, that he tried to to, to stick Sane, you know, attacking him. So they because he, he he basically mirrored us, I think, didn't he? he? Did the same the same three four three. Just to get back to Cahill a moment, I think Cahill played very badly last year, and I think it's taking people um, a lot of time to uh, uh, to forgive him for that. And I think he has the, the unfortunately he also gets he seems to get caught in possession as he did in the um, in the Swansea game, and as he did. Um, he did to an extent uh, in in the the goal in the in the Aguero chance when um, he, he dithered and let um, and let Aguero in and then he went back and saved it on the line. I think so that, that he seems to be a focal point for this kind of obvious error and I think people get very fed up fed up with that. And can I can I be a bit contentious here? Um, I actually think that um, if you were because you're all talking about him not being world class, I think going forward. To, it needs the centre centre half where he plays needs to be world class, and I honestly think that he will not be part of the plans. And were we to get an Italian centre half, I think he will be the man who will who will be dropped. And uh, because uh, despite him being a nice guy, I really don't think he's the he's the best player that they could get playing there. And I, th- I have to say, I think he's doing wonderfully, but I still think in the terms of what Conte wants to do. With the perfection for the side, I think they'll get one of these um, these uh, Italian guys um, to, who we, we put bids in. Bonucci. For, yeah, uh, or, or the other guys. I, think, one I think they'll go for Romagnoli, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I'm afraid I think the person who will suffer will be Cahill. Because I have to say, I think Luis, Luis was brilliant on um, uh, on Saturday. Completely brilliant. Yeah. He, he, was, he is, for me, he's utterly... Out, he's become outstanding in this setup, and uh, um, um, you know, I, 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 as I've said before, I was completely wrong. I thought it was going to be a, you know, a, it was a, a last-minute um, transfer, um, um, panicking, you know, a knee-jerk reaction. He has been so outstanding in this setup. He, it suits him right down to the ground, and and also his his um, it, the speech that he made, Louise made to. Uh, um, are you getting onto this later, Chid? Shall I not mention it? No, no, go for Speech it, mate. He made about um, 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 the, the team that have had all their, their players. Shapi Coenzi, is that, isn't that the name of the team, isn't it? Um, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrongly. The speech he and 
Costa made at the end of, of the of the, uh, the, te- the, the television um, the transmission was was fantastic. They were it was very emotional, um, and it, he's just become uh, he's come on leaps and bounds as a as a, a player and as a personality for the club. And I'm I, I completely take my hat off to him. I thought he was brilliant. well. I, I agree, Jonathan, entirely. And, I, and I've I've said I said it when he was with us the first time. I think the guy's a real leader. But what I you know what for me what what differentiates the good players from the great players is that the great players always step up in the big matches when it matters. I mean, if, you know, the easiest example to to look at there is is Drogba, of course. You know, the number of finals he scored a goal in. Yeah. And I think I think Louise is cut from the same cloth. You know, the bigger the game, the bigger the opponent the better he plays. And he did that against us when he was playing for PSG, if you yeah, remember. Yeah. Um, but but um, I mean, I'm, in, I'm inclined to agree with you, actually. I think you make your own luck. And I actually think that, OK, you know, it could have gone the other way and we were sorely tested. But I think the defence held up really well. I think Thibaut Courtois made some great saves. But uh, somebody's pointed this out on Miss Mixler, actually. It was, it was Daniel Francisco. And, and I, I'm inclined to agree with what he has to say. Uh, because... You know, had had De Bruyne had De Bruyne not missed, and I have to say, Marco, I have I think that's the worst uh, miss of its type since uh, Ronnie uh, Rosenthal, uh, and uh, arguably, arguably, it's a miss uh, that the De Bruyne's grip he was invented for. Well, indeed, but I, I think it's also De Bruyne's greatest single contribution for Chelsea, <laughs> uh, as well. But I mean, you know, if they'd have scored that, that could have been a very different game, couldn't it, Mark? Yeah, it could have ended three-two. <laughs> right no, no, yeah, absolutely I, I think to be honest with you you know pe- people you know the, the, there's, an, there's an interesting element um, to, to Chelsea's season uh, which which shouldn't be overlooked and, and that is that you know we, we are we are getting the rub of the green there's a bit of luck mixed yeah. in there and I, and I just think you know I think a little luck goes a long way in football, and you do need you do need a bit of luck. Um, and you know, against Tottenham, they could quite easily have gone two up again, and it might have been a different yeah. story. You know, they were all over us for the first half of that game, and you know, the amount of times. I mean, I think you know it's unfortunate Kale shanked that ball in to the net. Um, and immediately had you know the, the the keyboard warriors out in force, um, vilifying him. Um, but you know more of more concern I think to Conte than you know Cahill just basically making an error uh, was the fact that you know that see put all their efforts into exposing Alonso. Um, on the left and did a pretty good job of getting in behind him um, pretty much every time they went forward. You know, they, they, you know, Chelsea really rode their luck a little bit and, you know, and um, and De Bruyne was perhaps the best example of them riding their luck, you know, and, and it's great that it's happened against the two opponents where we thought, well, you know what, if we could get four points out of those six available against those two wouldn't be a bad result. But, you know, to come away with two um, victories, which, you know, all the re- all the good reasons, you know, coming from behind um, to win in I mean, a fairly emphatic manner in terms of, um, you know, overpowering opponents. It was, like, it was like watching one of those arm wrestling 
games that they used to have on um what was that show that was on the telly when we were kids um with fred truman bullseye no no oh fred... god yeah fred Will truman. tappers and shunters no 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 i can't remember what it was but i know the one like... you mean fred truman used to always smoke a pipe didn't he yeah they used to have drink, a, drink a pint a pint of yorkshire bitter and, and he used and... to say sivvy didn't he? oh sivvy and he, he hated saying Sithy. it. I'll see thee later. That's right, I'll see thee. And he hated but, it. But you'd have the I'll two... I'll see thee later. You'd have the two arm wrestlers staring each other in the eye and one would, like, push the other all the way down and it looks like he's going to beat him and then, you know, the guy fight, fights back and puts him down. And, it, you know, Chelsea have been like that in the last two games and I think yeah. a lot of that is, is um, you know, there's kind of like an indomitable belief that um, Conte's got going on in that dressing room. But there is also that element of good fortune. And uh, um, yeah. I think it makes for quite a heady cocktail. You know, a lot of uh, teams that, you know, it's very rare that a team that wins the title, you know, is just head and shoulders above the rest um, and steamrollers the league. Uh because the rest of the competition isn't good enough. I know we did it that first season um, or a couple of years ago, but more often than not, there's, there's a bit of luck rubbed in there, and I think we're getting yeah. it. And, you know, we've got five games now. I know, I know, I know, all five of these teams won on Saturday, but you know, West Brom, Sunderland, Stoke, Bournemouth, uh, Palace. You, you sort of really chalk those down as five potential straight victories and then Tottenham away. Yeah, so yeah. it's looking good, isn't it? Well, it is, you know, if the, if, if the luck holds and I, and I, Marco, I agree with you, you know, I think you, you, you know, you do need a bit of luck, but as, uh, as Del Boy would say, fortune favors the bold, or is it bona <laughs> fortuna, as he would say. Anyway, um, very quickly, Marco, cause uh, I will forget to do this and, and the page will whiz past me and I will feel very remiss if I don't, but, Mark Barfoot wishes to pass this on to you. He says, Chidge, please thank Marco again for sorting the signed shirt, which uh, in the end raised 400 quid for the children's hospice. Wow. Brilliant. Isn't that good? Yeah. Um, so well done. Uh, thank, thank you for alerting me to that, uh, Mark. Much appreciated. Um, uh, you know, go, moving on, um, one of the things that... Uh, there were two things that pleased me hugely about uh, the City game. Uh, the first one was that on Friday or Thursday, when I did the show with Kerry, I predicted uh, that we would, uh, I mean, actually, we were both a bit negative, to be really honest. We both said it would be a 1-1 draw. So my run of uh, getting the goal score, the actual, you know, exact goals got scored right over the last few weeks has come to an end. But I, what I did say was that, you know, we would defend against them and then hit them on the counter-attack. But even in my wildest dreams, I didn't foresee that we would counter-attack with such scintillating efficiency and speed. I mean, it, I mean, Dan, it was breathtaking, wasn't it? I mean, all three of those goals were absolutely, absolutely superb. Yeah, it was a masterclass of counter-attacking. I mean, the way that I was helped by Mendy trying to win a ball that's never his and then just perfectly weighted pass from Costa... It was fantastic, and even the way the Hazard got in front of the defender, so he's either going to score or get bought down. It was it was brilliant. I mean, that's what that's how you play counter-attacking football. It was it was absolutely beautiful to watch. Just watching the goals and the and and the, the other thing that the whole team spirit 
which is, I think we haven't mentioned yet, but when, when we got the third goal, every single man bar Courtois was down the other end cheering. Yeah. And there's a vine of Courtois doing a, you know, a punching, leaping fist pump when you got the third goal. It, it was, we're, we're a dangerous team. It's, you know, we've had, we've had a bit of luck. And had you said to us after Arsenal, we go eight in a row, we, you know, we would have laughed in your face. But it's, yeah. it's been fantastic. And we're a very difficult side to play against. Yes, City, probably our biggest test for the pace they've got. We came out of it with a bit of luck. But, as you say, you know, you need luck to win titles. Um, you know, potentially. So gone. No, I was just going. No, no, finish, finish your point. As I say, you know, potentially, if we continue where we are, another five wins, the league could be looking very good come um, well, Tottenham yeah. in January. I think we're in the box seat at the moment, that's for sure. Jonathan, one thing that we we haven't really discussed, and I think is very remiss of us actually, is. Is what a fantastic game again Diego Costa had. Now, one of, one of the things that I said talking to Kerry, although he, he, as Kerry tends to do, he kind of you know decided I wasn't was talking nonsense. But you know, I I just think that 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 uh, you, well, you know what he's like, Mark. You know, fair fair yeah, play, yeah. he played the game. I didn't. But I mean, you know, one of the things that I've noticed recently about Costa is that he seems to have changed his game in some way, shape, or form. Because I I think he's playing a lot more with his back to goal. And I think he's he, he's playing a lot more to bring people in, and I think I think the uh, the William goal is an absolutely classic case in point of that, and of course he did the same for the the Moses goal against Spurs, and uh, but I mean I have to say he's just getting better and better and better, and I think he is looking absolutely world class at the moment. He really really is. I mean, what do you, what do you think, John? Oh, completely superb. What was interesting was that. The- that period that they were on top of us, I think in the past he'd have got frustrated because he wasn't really involved. Yeah. But um, um, given the opportunity, I think it's a sign of a wonderfully class player is that uh, um, you have an opportunity and you use it and you you play beautiful passes or uh, when the ball is, is a brilliant moment for Fabregas when he chipped the ball uh, up to him and he, and he took it down on his shoulder and, uh, and yeah, just rounded Otamendi and slotted in. Uh, you, the opportunity is there. You don't get that many opportunities. When you do, you stick it away. I mean, that's just class, phenomenal class. No, I, I'm, yeah. I, I, agree, yeah. I agree completely. And I wonder whether it's down to that they have a very, very um, uh, heightened fitness regime as well. I wonder if they're just a fitter team from last year. As well yeah. as having, as you say, Dan, a, a, a brilliant um, uh, attitude, a brilliant team spirit. Um, it just all, all seems to be clicking so beautifully. Um, and, um, uh, yeah. c- can I just mention Fabregas for a second there? Um, I, yeah, I, spent, I, I was spent about to go first, on to him, so that's a very I, apt thing to do. Go, go ahead. I, I spent the first 20 minutes worrying that um, he wasn't fitting in because yeah. we didn't really see him very much and that Matic seems to fit the plan better. But most intriguingly, yeah. as, as City got stretched and we, you realised that we were going to be... be, be breaking more in the second half, he really came into his own because it's then you see the kind of brilliant pass towards the end of the first, um, the, for, the, for the first goal to, to equalise. You, you see the kind of brilliant pass that Matic isn't capable of. Um, so yeah. uh, the, the, you know, the, the predictions of him leaving in January, I think, are, are hugely premature because he really has something to contribute to the side. And just, mm. it's, just, it's just difficult to work out what, whether he's contributing... Um, uh, whether he fits the the, the the first eleven that that Conte would pick, and I don't think he does at the moment. But I I still think we've got I still think if they can if they are able to, I think it's a good idea to purchase people in January that we will see the side shift a bit um, because it, because yeah. because in the the pressure of that game did 
did cause a, a couple of players not to perform as well as they have done, just because of the, the fact you're playing against excellent players that City have got. You know, and I would say, you know that, what, Jonathan? Yeah. I, 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 sorry, mate. I, 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 I'm really glad you. I'm really glad you brought that point up about Fabregas because I, I, and I'm really glad you were very honest about it too. Because to be to be really honest, the minute I saw his name on the team sheet, I wasn't happy. I thought, oh no, that's we don't need I that. Um, but then actually, the more, well, the, the more the more I thought about it, and I think you, you kind of articulated this, but. The more I thought, I, see, I couldn't, I couldn't make up my mind as to whether it was actually a really. I mean, I think Matic was injured, which is why Fabregas started. Yeah, but, yeah, he was. Um, on, on the one hand, you know, you could say, well, maybe it was a horses for courses thing, and he knew that we would get a lot of space against City and hit them on the counter, which Fabregas could exploit with his fantastic range of passing. But on the other hand, I was thinking, well, hang on a minute, City are going to be attacking with about eight, nine men all of the time, and we could get run through. And I couldn't really make my mind up. As it happened, the former, I think, was true. I'd be interested. To, what, what do you think, Marco? Do you, were you worried when you saw Fabregas in the starting lineup? Uh, well, I was more worried, actually, um, sort of in the in the opening twenty minutes. The, the, like the, Jonathan, the, the game was passing him by. Not me. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I was concerned. Yeah, um, I think Matic. As, as from a, from a defensive shield point of view, in the games that have mattered, has been just that, uh, and I wasn't entirely sure, and and still am not entirely sure if um, Fabregas actually made a massive contribution in that respect. I think Kante, um, I know he's I know he's not the unsung hero because everybody knows what a good yeah. job he does, but he put a double shift in. Um, yeah, and as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, City were getting in behind. You know, they, they were just walking through midfield, going down the flanks, pulling us out of position, um, and you know that that's twice that has happened. I mean, I know Matic did play against Tottenham, um, but I, I just think you know we've had a bit of luck there against two sides um, that. You know, had had the had the quality of player that that can um, maybe expose us a little bit uh, more so than you know some of the other teams. Um, you know, we've been fortunate on those two occasions. Does Conte need to maybe look at um, the players he's got? I think he does. Will he do it in January? Mm, don't know. Unless, unless he could get somebody. Um, that saving the hassle of having to go and, you know, like, like the, the Koulibaly example of last summer where we just end up getting held to ransom. Um, you know, fortunately, the Louise move worked out well. Alonso is okay. And, it, you know, it, it's all looking good. But I think, you know, there is an element of luck to that. And I think Conte will will know that. And I think he's kind of thinking, you know, I, I do need one or two players who can play um, in such a way that we don't get into a position where teams can get in behind us because, you know, the, the, there will come a game when the luck runs out uh, mm. and it won't be... Won't or, or, more, or more to the point, Mark, that I, I think what we're alluding to here is that, that we're, I think we're all a little bit worried about the fact that there might be a, a lack of squad depth 
And, well, you know, and, if, if Costa gets injured, Hazard gets injured, well, if something happens to one of the key players, we're a bit, we're a bit bare, if, perhaps. If, 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 if Cunt Aguero had snapped <laughs> David Luiz... The T's silent, Marco. Yeah, sorry. Um, if he'd snapped <laughs> Luiz's leg, which would obviously have been a tragedy for Luiz, but, you know, yeah. quite, quite what that would mean um, for Chelsea, I don't know. You know, Costa is playing at full throttle. Um, he looked he looked pegged at the end of that game. Um, is he going to last Christmas? You know, when the pitches get a bit heavier, how are his hamstrings? You know, all, all those things. Um, we're, we're only a couple of injuries away from. You know, we've been lucky in that respect as well. You know, we're only, you know look at Arsenal; they're already succumbing to their. Not that it did them any harm on uh, Saturday, but, you know, they've already paid the penalty for whatever weird and wonderful training regime Wenger has over there, which sees all his best players get injured um, yeah. around this time of the year. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's OK at the moment, but it, it, it could very quickly become un-OK. All right. Can I can I give you can I leave you with a little bit of hope uh, amidst the uh, you know the kind of side side uh, road off to despair? Uh, but um, I did I've done a bit of research. You'll be, all be amazed to know, but I have because I, I I said on the show a few weeks ago I said you know he's turned this round uh, and he's got an amazing record after he's done that as in and I I said it in very harsh tones like he he doesn't tend to lose many matches once he's turned it around so I thought I'd see if I could back this up with some hard facts um when Conte went to Juve and had a bit of a tricky start and then turned <clears> it round he won back to back titles 2012 13 and 14 uh in 2012 Juventus went the entire season unbeaten they did an Arsenal invincibles basically in 2014, he had the Serie A record points total. When he managed Italy, they were undefeated in their European six, the Euro 16 qualification campaign. I mean, the bottom line is, chaps, once this guy gets going, he doesn't lose. Um, now, I absolutely take on board what Marco's saying, and, 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 and I, you know, I, I am worried a little bit about the depth of the squad, but, you know, there is a sense that... Uh, he, we he might just do it. I mean, I, I tell you what, Marco. I tried to get to get some odds today on on the bookies for Chelsea going the rest of the season unbeaten, but none of them are, are, are listing it at all. So I'd have to go. And f- what's what's your what's your bookmaker called? My bookmaker. Yeah, well, what I, you used to call him Flash something. Stan Flashman. No, I used to you 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 have a wonderful a wonderful name that you 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 refer to when you talk about a bookmaker. I can't remember what it was, but anyway. <laughs> I don't know, mate. You'll have to go and look back through your Twitter from about three years. But, I mean, you know, you, you would get some good odds on that, I would have thought. But, I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, he is this good, I think. And, and he has the track record to, to back it up. So what do you think of that, Dan? Am I talking bu- bullshit here or what? No, listen, he's, he's, he's eminently a phenomenal manager. I mean, just, you know... Italian league is notoriously hard to win. It's possible. I mean, you said the squad's weak. It wasn't a bad bench. You had, you know, William, Oscar, Shirai, Ivanovic, and I think we'll have one or two players coming in over the the, the Christmas break. Uh, Matic was injured. He trusts the kids, which is good. It's it's, it's very encouraging. I mean, we we are where we are because we've been the best team in the last two months. We had no distractions. We've got no European football. Essentially, got 
one game a week between now and the rest of the season. Um, Costa could perhaps get a tactical booking to get himself, you know, a little bit of a break over Christmas. It's, it's, you know, win the box seat. You know, we keep, we keep, we keep winning. We're going to win it. We, you know, that's yeah, well. sim, simple maths. Amen to that. And as, as as you guys were saying a minute ago, we've got West Brom at home, Sunderland away, Palace away, Bournemouth at home, Stoke at home. All very, very winnable matches uh, to go into the new year. Hopefully still top a Lee. Now, we've got to go for a quick break, uh, after which, um, thanks to me being busy last week, uh, we will, as I promised, revisit the Spurs match. And, uh, and we'll be asking, have I got Pedro all wrong? And how good did it feel to keep Spurs in their rightful place? Under, under, off with our with our foot on their throat. I think is the way to put it. Anyway, we will see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, eighteen plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Chidge. J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) But where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And it seems like five minutes, but uh, we're already into part three. So blimey, how about that? Now, uh, as you all know, I couldn't do the show last week, for which I'm very, very, very sorry. Um, sometimes uh, real life gets in the way, and I had a project which I've been working on for three years, which I had to deliver, and it took longer than I thought, as they always do. And I'm afraid I had to had to desert you in my uh, hour of crisis. But uh, it was nice to see so many of you with your lovely understanding comments on Twitter and Facebook. Not. I have remembered each and every one of them. 
They're stored away, and I will get my vengeance in this life or the next, all right? Anyway, uh, talking of getting vengeance in this life or the next, uh, I don't think Spurs will ever get their vengeance on Chelsea. Uh, 26 years and counting. Goodness me. It's really funny, actually. One of the things I loved before the match and afterwards was... uh, was everybody, particularly us lot, because we're all, you know, uh, we're, we're all kind of middle-aged, let's be frank, uh, and we're all recounting, what were we doing when we, when it was 1990? And we were all very young. It's, it was just wonderful, wasn't it? You know, 1990, I'd have been living in Lots Road, I think. I was in, in the halcyon days of my time living in Chelsea when uh, I spent all of my disposable income on, on illegal substances and alcohol and never paying the rent. What a wonderful time of life that was. Marco, what were you doing in 1990? The only thing I can remember vividly from 1990 was going to the World Cup, which was in Italy. And, um, yeah. And one of our, one of, one of our party um, was, was a Scottish lad nicknamed the Jock, um, un, unimaginatively. And, and the Jock was <laughs> determined that, that, that we would go and watch Scotland. And so... We went to um, uh, Genoa to the, to the Sampdoria ground, and which had just opened. I think I think it was built for that tournament, and and, and we saw Scotland lose to Costa Rica, which was highly entertaining. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's about. And uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and you are and Pavarotti and Gaza crying. That was nineteen ninety. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that well. I I I remember I remember actually because I watched the uh, semi-final in Lots Road, and uh, this, I'm, I, this is not my proudest hour. I have to be honest, but I'll, I'll share this with just you three. Uh, obviously, there's nobody else listening. But I I, ca- I staggered back from work with a, literally a case of beer uh, in preparation for the match, and I worked really hard in those days, and I just about made it in time, and I got in the, through the front door. Used to live in number twenty, Andy Silverman. In case, because I know you were asking, I got in there to find that the, the I, I shared the house with a few other people, and one of them was this girl, and uh, she she you know she clearly didn't like football, uh, and she had her boyfriend round there anyway. He was German, uh, and I decided I'm sorry, but I'm not watching the World Cup semi final England versus Germany with a German in my living room. He, you're going to have to go, and I, I literally booted them out. Not my finest hour, I have to say. And anyway, after the match, I, I just remember being utterly, utterly crestfallen. I went down to the Ferret and Firkin, as it was in those days, surrounded by blokes just like staring at their pint in disbelief. Uh, so that was 1990. Uh, Dan, how old were you? Were you about three or four or something? No, I was doing my, G- <laughs> I was doing my GCSEs. I'm not far behind you, boys. Are I don't you? have a youthful look. I know. <laughs> and it's true, you do. Jonathan, Jonathan, what, what were you doing? You, you, were you understudying for Larry Olivier then? <laughs> I'd love to have been understudying for Larry, but no, he was—he's a bit older than me. Of course, he's dead, isn't he? Um, he uh, is. I was living in—I was living in Tooting at the time, and um, well, you know, and I was going out with somebody who lived in Lots Road. No way. Yeah. What I, number? I, I, oh, I don't remember that. Um, I could—I could lie and say number eighteen, but um, how uh, bizarre! Or even number twenty. Now, Small that would be world. coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was. Brief, like most of my relationships at the time, it was brief. Um, 1990. I'd written, I'd written a show, and I think I was doing a show in um, in Edinburgh, and I, well, not the whole of 1990, but um, uh, yeah, and I was singing in uh, in a silly band, and 
and we'd done um, uh, New Faces with Marty faces. Marty Kane. We'd done that. Bloody hell! Was Tony yeah. Hatch on there? Well, so- <laughs> I think I think Tony Hatch is about 1970. Oh, was he? Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, you're such a celebrity, aren't you? That's why I love you. Anyway, listen, we should we should move on. But just before we do, I, I, just to put it into context for you three, uh, I got a lovely post on Mixler from from one of my favourite listeners, Nikki Kilduff, who says, "Well, he says I was one in 1990." <laughs> <laughs> so Nikki has spent his entire life unbeaten uh, against Spurs. Isn't that wonderful? Oh yeah. I tell you what, I, I, talking about Spurs. Um, some somebody in the build-up to that game posted quite a funny picture, which they said just put. They posted a picture of a sperm and said, "Here's a selfie of me um, the last time <laughs> Spurs won at White Hart Lane." So, so mine was um, a, a baby in a womb, and, and that was a picture of uh, a selfie of me when um, the last time Spurs won the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, I wasn't an even an, an, an itch in my old man's nutsack, as Danny Dyer once, <laughs> uh, said, when, when Spurs won the league, because I wasn't born until 65. So there you go. Anyway, we should really talk about the game, because I did promise the peeps that we would. Um, and the first thing I'd like to say is that um, for the second week running, as it was then, I got the score prediction bang on with Kerry. I said 2-1 to Chelsea, although I, the only bet I got wrong was that I thought it would be an edgy and uh, we would uh, get a, a last-minute winner. Uh, thankfully, we wrapped it up well before that. But before we get into that... Um, there was a sense, wasn't there, in that first half that Spurs had kind of worked us out, and it was a bit. It was. It was. It was. It was tense, wasn't it, uh, Jonathan? Well, it was dreadful. Uh, I thought. I, I, yes. I, in the same. In the same way as with with City, I thought that if we, they were going to score two or three goals in that period because they were absolutely all over us and we were sus. But the thing about this, this the, the game that they're all trying to play against us, it's why it makes me, me think that we're unbelievably fit as a team. Is everybody gets yeah. they get knackered? Spurs got yeah. completely exhausted by the constant pressing and the constant running down the flanks. So when the second half they came out, they were just they they'd had it. And I have to say, Liverpool had exactly yeah. the same experience. Except Liverpool had scored two goals against us at Stamford Bridge, and we couldn't get back in it because we weren't we weren't playing in the same formation, weren't playing well enough. But we're we're that's why um, I don't think we should ever get downhearted about being overrun by any team. Because the second half just appears that we go up a gear, and he has. A, I think he's very, he's wonderful, wonderful tactically, and he obviously explains to them what's going wrong and asks them to ask them to carry on playing, knowing that we'll score on the counter attack. So I didn't really have a problem, yeah. a problem with it, even though we were we were under the cosh. I've got it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I've got such faith in him as a manager. I thought this is uncomfortable, but I think actually we'll, there'll be a moment where we'll score. I kept saying. To the guy I was next to, I kept saying, "We're going to score. Don't worry. It'll be against the run of play, but we'll score." Lo and behold, Pedro. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. You, goal. you know, you know what, Jonathan? I think I think you make an excellent point as always. And, and but I have to say, you know, that was a. I mean, you know, God, I was shitting a brick for that for that for most of that first half for for the same reason that you were. And my fear was, oh my God, we've been worked out. And then Pedro scores that goal on the on the stroke of half time, and I just thought, here we go. That is a perfect time to score, isn't it, Dan? Because we would have gone into the dressing room, we would have gone into the dressing room level, and it's like, okay, we go again in the second half. 
Spurs would have gone in deflated, having put in all that effort and been all over us like a rash, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, every goal changes the game. It was that one. I mean, it was a brilliant finish, brilliant goal. And I was saying to my mate, for the first 44 minutes, I was worried because Spurs looked really, really good. But second half, we came out and we were we, we pushed them back. I mean, they pressed our full back so we couldn't play from the back. We were forced to give the ball away cheaply. They also had a really good game plan, but they didn't continue in the second half because I think we adapted slightly how we played. But goal before half time, going at 1 1. Atmosphere I thought was really good as well for you know, really most of the match. Everyone was really enjoying themselves. And it was a great atmosphere. And it's beating Spurs. It's, yeah. it's kind of like it's like, you know, you're guaranteed, you know, Christmas Day taxes and beating Spurs. It's, it's fantastic. Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Marco, I mean, you know, let's talk about Pedro for a minute. I mean, it was an absolutely superb goal, world-class goal. Now, everybody knows who listens to this show is that I, I, I've not been a, a great fan of Pedro's really, uh, you know, most of last season particularly. Um, you know, my theory being that, you know, frankly, I just think he, he was too small, uh, you know, to play in the Premier League, got, gets pushed off the ball a lot. I mean, you know... That, I have to say, his performances of of, of late are, are, are really making me eat eat my words somewhat. I mean, where where do you stand on Pedro? I think uh, I think he came to Chelsea obviously um, at a very very difficult time to join yeah. the football club. You know, if you look at his pedigree, he, he's won it all. Um, so, irrespect, you know, Lionel Messi's not the biggest fella in the world, is he? Um, doesn't mean he can't hold his own. Yeah, can court. he do it? Can he do it on a cold night in Stoke, Mark? Well, that's what they always say. But you know, I, I don't really buy into that. Um, yeah. I think I think these guys, are, um, you know, they're, they're professional footballers, and I think what we've seen this season, um, more so than any season in in well, not living memory, but certainly in 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 a long, long time, is. Um, just how important it is to uh, have a manager that um, can can not only manage but can really get inside players' heads in, in a in a very positive way, um, and you know get them focused on on playing and being the world class footballers that you know everybody that we sign. Um, you know, generally tends to be. I know that's like a bit, bit of a grand statement, but you know, all of these players that we've signed, um, some of which have been, you know, mismanaged by the football club for various reasons, um, have, have oodles of talent. You know, even Papa Gillybody. No, I'm kidding, but you know, I, I just think. A player like Pedro, you look at you look at what he achieved before he came to Chelsea. Um, so, is it is it a surprise really that he's playing the way he's playing now? I, I don't think so. I think he just needed to to have a chance, and it, you know, I definitely felt sorry for him uh, more so than um, some of the other players who ended up, you know, being sort of scoundrelish slightly in their in their behaviour last season you know he he could have you know just said look I've had enough I want to go um and been loaned out to uh you know I don't know Valencia or whatever um but you know he's to his credit he stayed there he's stuck in he got his opportunity in, in very unfortunate circumstances um with Williams 
um, you know, mother passing away, uh, whether he keeps his place in the side, if you're looking at, you know, it was William who scored the scintillating goal this week. Is Pedro, are his days in the starting 11 numbered now? William's back in the fray. I don't know, but I think he's done a good job. I yeah. think he brings something what, different, actually. What was... you, sorry, do you mind me leaping in here? Sorry, sorry, Jonathan, I, I, I talked I, I, over you then. You said no, that again. Do you mind me coming in? I think he brings something different from William, actually, because I actually think he's a bit quicker than William. Yeah. And, um, um, and I think he fits He fits that roving role. But uh, but and also, uh, as you said, Marco, William has been, um, has been poor because of the emotional stresses of his, his family bereavement. Um, and his goal, his goal uh, on Saturday was completely wonderful. So yeah, it may be that he changes it round. But for me, at the moment, Pedro fits the. Uh, it may be that he gets subbed in the second half. That may be what happens from now on. He fits the role of somebody very quick who just gets in. You know, his, his goal against um, Man United, for example, was very indicative to me of the type of player he's being used as by. Um, by Conti, somebody who just um, has a kind of rove and, 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 and also a terrific crosser of the ball, which uh, which is something we haven't had over the last few seasons. Sorry, that's all I wanted to say. You know, one one of the one of the things that I, I that I, I think Benny the Blue made this point. Somebody on Mixler, anyway. Uh, but of course, I, th- I think because of the way that the the formation is set up now, I think that we we're finding that Pedro's playing in his more natural position. Because of course, last year we were playing him as more of a winger, a bit like Hazard being stuck out yeah. on the left. Yeah. Now he's he's playing a lot more inside, and of course it, that that allows him and Hazard to move around, and I think that that really suits him. He's he's you know he's a bit like you know an old fashioned inside right, not a winger. Yeah. Uh, and I think that you know because he's playing in his in his more natural position, we're getting the best out of him. You know, and and I mean you know again, look, trust me, guys, there is nothing that I like better than to see me eat a big dollop full of humble pie when I get it wrong about a player you know and and I have to say I mean that goal was just it was it was absolutely exquisite and the interesting thing of course Dan it was very like uh, one of my favorite words it was redolent of Hazard's goal against Spurs the year before wasn't it yes absolutely same and Pedro's a top player and also I think the difference is our attacking players have got a little less defensive responsibility than last season so they're not having to you know track back as much because you've got the you know the five at the back so they have got more freedom. What you want with camp attacking players is pace and technique, and they've got that in abundance. And to be in the you know the you know the Barcelona team for six years and regularly win trophies, you've got to be a decent player. And given as you said earlier, he's in the position he should be, in and he's reaping the benefits. And also now Williams, you know, breathing down his neck, back on form, he's going to hopefully step up his game even more. But it's it's, it's good to see all, all you know these players that have written off last season. For whatever reason, beginning to you know make us eat humble pie. Some of us who were too quick to judge. You know, you know what, Dan? That's a fantastic point, actually, one which we haven't really picked up on. And I and I wonder if, in a sense, this belies you know Mark Marco and my concerns that maybe we don't have the squad depth. But actually, that's that's so true. You know, Conte has done, and you know, this seems to have gone under the wire for some reason. But one of the things that Conte has done brilliantly is to make some of the ordinary Chelsea players a lot better. So, you know, if 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 Pedro can turn it round and Matic can turn it round, then who's to say that some of the, the more fringy type players that we've got at the moment, like Oscar, for example, a man that's flattered to deceive for his entire Chelsea career, 
you know, if if Conte is this good as a manager, perhaps Marco, you know, we shouldn't be so worried about the the people who are sitting on the bench who could, if and when needed, come on and do a job. No, I, I agree. I, I think you know, as as I said, I, I think Conte, you know, has managed to get those players completely focused. Um, there's there's a spirit in the dressing room which is pretty phenomenal, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think if we get through this season and get back into Europe, then that's a few more games um, for, the, for yeah. the players to get involved in. And I think they probably, you know, they, 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 they'll be fully aware of that. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all looking good. What's not to like about Chelsea at the moment? What is not to It's like? a very, very happy camp, isn't it? It's a very, very happy camp. Really? And it, I mean, the, 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 I mean, you, you know, Mark, Mark, you, you, you should, if you haven't got it copyrighted, then you, should, you, you certainly should do. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, you are the man that coined the term glorious unpredictability. <laughs> and I mean, I think if, you know, in five or 10 years time, when we're releasing, you know, the CFC UK Chronicles uh, chapter 27, you know, we'll look back on this period in, in, in credulity that we we went from, you know, the, the Mourinho coming back, which is what everybody wanted, to winning the title, you know, in the second year, which is fantastic, to absolute meltdown and purgatory last season and back up again this year. I mean, it's the it's the living, breathing definition of glorious unpredictability, isn't it, mate? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you only have to go back to, you know, half time against Arsenal. What was that, eight weeks ago? Probably not yeah, even that. Yeah. You know, I think. I mean, it was that was the end, wasn't it? You know, God, we're going to get relegated. You know, all all of that nonsense. You know, the the lynch mobs were out for Cahill, Ivanovic. You know, all of that stuff. Um, it's just gone. It's evaporated, isn't it? Um, so it just, yeah, it has. I mean, thankfully, I was really drunk at Arsenal, so I don't remember the second half. I mean, it's almost like he's phasing out, you know, I mean, Jerry Jace is obviously injured, Ivanovic, you know, all these players are slowly being phased out. And it's the first time we've actually gone into games thinking, you know what, we haven't got, enjoy- haven't got JT. Yeah, OK, it's not, it's not a massive drama as it might have been in previous seasons because we know we've got a solid team without, you know, our, our captain is a legend. So, mm. so yeah, we, we don't well, need him so, to I, be back there, do we? We don't need him to be. To be in the no. side, he's quite happy if the team are doing well. I just wanted to say that the one the one black mark with the club at the moment is, of course, the Gary Johnson situation um, with Eddie Heath, which uh, um, I'm not sure really whether the club has behaved properly in attempting to uh, pay him to sweep it under the carpet. Um, but I'm 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 glad it's come out to the open, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. first of many, I think. Yeah. Across, well, across to be the honest, lads, I, you know what? I mean, the script this evening, you know, I'm afraid that that, that very topic is, uh, you know, very noticeable by its absence because I don't quite know how to really address this. But I, I, I will I, I absolutely agree with you, Jonathan. I think that, you know, and I think the club are beginning to admit this better late than never, but the way that they've handled that was a, a, a huge, huge uh, misjudgment. And, and there's a... A school of thought that actually that they've they've not complied with FA regulations by uh, by doing exactly that and uh, and I'm I'm afraid that's a huge embarrassment to any of us that are associated with the club. Mm. However, uh, and without wanting to mitigate that in any way, shape, or form, um, 
it would be very unfortunate, I think. And, and if anybody watched the Sunday supplement uh, with that knob Ollie Holt at all, uh, I think it would be really very sad if 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 only Chelsea was to get a kicking for this, because as as, as you just said. Um, I'm afraid, sad, very sadly, we're going to find out this is infected football across the board, and we will not be the only club that uh, that have uh, you know had uh, you know child abusers in 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 their employ, which is awful. And I think actually, again, without trying to mitigate it at all, I think it, it, I'm afraid it's a, it, what we're seeing now is it's, it was a whole societal issue. I mean, if you look at what happened in the media and the BBC, the church, football, there will be many other organisations too. And I think that what we're seeing now is that uh, child abuse was almost institutional in the in the 70s, which is just, I mean, it's just it's just so grim, really, really grim. So uh, I'm ap- apologies for not, you know, having that on the agenda tonight. Um, but well done, Jonathan, for raising it. And, and quite frankly, Matt, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, can we just move on because I've got a couple of the plugs to move on before we uh, before we go to part four, where Jonathan will be giving a, a Larry Olivier like performance because he has to read out five five emails tonight. I'm making the poor boy work work his nuts off tonight, but there you go. Anyway, before we get into that, um, sorry, Jonathan, no, you were saying. Trying to get into character, I'm trying to become Larry. Sorry. I see already. Yeah. Yes. You mean you're trying to upstage me, of course? No, you know. no, no. As in, no, as no, in. no, 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 no. Yes. Uh, anyway, Chelsea Supporters Trust, join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member, uh, and it's easy to do. All you have to do is sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com. Uh, and then you can attend any of the meetings that we have. We have uh, fairly regular special general meetings. Uh, and of course, we have the one or two events during the year. But more importantly, you can vote uh, every year on the issues that uh, directly affect you. You can take part in the survey and that kind of thing. So make sure you get your voice heard and follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, and if you're uh, if you're an overseas uh, listener or somebody who listens to this show from overseas, Dan is the uh, kind of overseas member. Not well, not, that's the wrong way to put it. I mean, he's the you're the guy that looks after all the overseas yeah. members, basically, Dan, aren't you? That's the one. That's the word I was struggling for. How's it going? Is it going? going it's going good. Okay? Yeah, it's some positive feedback. I'm still waiting for a few, few of our you know, overseas friends to reply. But I'll be chewing them up um, over Christmas because you know I'm, I'm here to help. I want to hear your your concerns, and we you know we can put a report together and to take things to the next level for you. So if you, you know, it's dansilver.chelsea@gmail.com. Email me for another Skype. I'm available for Skype. Um, come and say hello. So. There we go. Good stuff. Uh, now, CFC UK, uh, the latest issue of CFC UK is still available. Actually, talking which marker, can you save me a copy for West Brom? Because I haven't had my copy yeah. yet. Okay, mate. Thank you. Lovely. Uh, now, uh, there is a new one uh, in the offing because we've got a deadline. As, Mar- as everybody was rib- Marco was ribbing me, I think, the other day, uh, and I pointedly made the point that uh, he'll get mine... Uh, he'll get my copy in the midnight hour on the day of the deadline, as always. Isn't that right, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> the Wilson picket of the CFC UK packs. <laughs> but no, it will be done, don't worry. Um but anyway, that means there'll be a new one. When will that be out? I presume for the Sunderland game, yeah? Uh I've got a feeling it might be for oh maybe, yeah. No, that's midweek. Yeah, it won't be West Brom. Uh, I think it'll be Palace, Palace? away. Palace away. Yeah. All right. Well look out for that when it when it hits hits the uh, hits the ground. 
Uh, now, if you can't get the CFC UK in person, which is a great shame, because if you get it in person at the stall on a match day, opposite Fulham Broadway, you get to talk to Marco, who <laughs> mans the stall through all all inclement weathers, uh, uh, which is very brave of him, I have to say. You're about to comment, Marco. Yeah, and Clement Weathers as well. And Clement as well. A bit more Clement than inclement this season, which has been quite nice. Well, yeah, touch wood, mate, because you know what it's like. Anyway, Um, yeah, so anyway, go and get a copy off the uh, CFC UK store. Get one off Marco as well. If you can't, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And uh, if you're in the USA, follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa.com. Uh, and you can get a copy uh, there and also contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore and they'll get you a proper uh, copy in paper, not digital. Uh, very quickly, as it's Christmas time, uh, an excellent present to get your loved one if they support Chelsea um, is, of course, to buy them a little bit of Chelsea and in doing so protect the future of the club. And to do that, all they have to do is to go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who, of course, own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. Uh, to find out how to buy one for around 100 quid, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And you can follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Now, after the break, Jonathan, who has uh, very quietly in the background been doing all his vocal exercises, We'll have his work cut out as we have five cracking emails for him to read. See you in a second. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, the most popular Chelsea fancast on the planet. There you go. See what I did there? Yeah, I'm all humble, me. Um, anyway, uh, we're back, and of course, this is our final part of, uh, of this evening's pr- proceedings, and they are dominated by an absolute tsunami of emails this week. There you go. I bugger off for a week, and... Uh, you clearly write to me so that you make sure we do a show the next week. As if there was any doubt. Goodness me. Um, but I'm delighted to say we've got loads of emails. So I shall shut up and I will let the wonderful uh, Jonathan Kidd read them in the dulcet tones that we are all so used to. <laughs> this is from Dilbert Pickles. All right, boys. Yes, we are. Great there. name. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to say that the Guinness moment of the week has got to go to Pedro for his 50 to 60 yard run back into the left back area to bail our defence out of trouble. We're a serious team now, all working for each other. Sorry it's a short email, just wanted to get my point across. Kind regards, Dilbert. I think I think it was a wonderful email, Dilbert, largely because it was so short, really. But uh, secondly, <laughs> I should make, make the point that that was uh, referring to the Spurs match. And also, it's once again, Chidge, it's about Pedro, who you had, had the, yeah. down upon, and he's, just, he's pointing out how fantastically he's working, and I would uh, agree with that. Um, Mark, Barfoot, Mark Barfoot says that's a made-up name. I can guarantee you, actually, Mark, that it is not a made-up name. Good. Right. Okay, Number Jonathan. Two. 
Number two from Daniel, number two. Cabr Daniel Cabral. Uh, he says in here, by the way, the songs of Fado Fado. I presume it's Portuguese. I don't know how to pronounce it. Forgive me if I get it wrong. Uh, hello, Chidge. Amazing win. But with that said, it might be the Portuguese blood in my veins, the songs of Fado. But we've been very fortunate against Barra, Spurs and City. Three results that could have gone the other way. There still is work to be done. But what I learned is, number one, Fabregas can play in this system. Yes and no, I would say. Second, Athelicueta is truly a Chelsea unsung hero. He is a modern-day Paolo Ferreira. I would agree with that. I think he's brilliant. Off topic, number three, I find it interesting Pep gobbed off on the fourth official and sarcastically clapped when the ref gives a free kick and nothing happens. Mourinho can do less, but is sent to the stands and fined. Thanks, boys. Have a great blue week. Well, I agree with that completely. I've absolutely noticed that. Pep can just be absolutely sarcastic and uh, nothing happens to him at all. There's no mention. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's one rule for Mourinho and another one for Pep. Well, it's kind of kind of what I was alluding to earlier when I said that I, you know, he's deified in this league. You know, just because yeah. he's won lots of stuff and he was the manager of Barcelona, he can, you know, the, what's that expression? Um, you know, well, I mean, if it was just about him, it was you'd say he's the kind of guy that likes the smell of his own farts. But I think the pr the you know the press like the smell of his own farts as well. It's awful. Anyway, whatever. Do you, want to, do you want to hit the next one unless anybody has anything to add to the pithy comment that I just made? No, just back up. But it's about Aspie. Aspie's phenomenal. Mm. Such a fantastic player for us. Fantastic. Yeah. Agree. Agree completely. Brilliant. Completely brilliant. Um, number three, John Carpenter. Hello, John. Uh, uh, he mailed me. He tweets me a lot, John. Good stuff. Um, hi, Chidge and the boys. First of all, let me say what a wonderful show you do. Thanks very much, John. What delights it what delights it brings for a long bus journey into work on a Tuesday morning. Please, please keep up the excellent work. Thank you very much. I just wanted to make a few points from the weekend's result. Number one, first of all, how wonderful it is to see the passion that flows through Antonio Conte. He reacted to the third goal like any diehard Chelsea fan would. And what a lovely guy he seems to be as well. Number two, what the bloody hell is it with Chelsea fans hissing and moaning on Twitter at our players before the result has been decided? I saw many moaning about Alonso for his first half performance. Not one notices the fact he had De Bruyne pulling out wide to double up on him with Navas with little support. He's doing a fine job. And the pass to Hazard for his goal was exceptional. I agree completely. It was a fantastic pass. Absolutely. Number three, what tremendous fight and courage we showed throughout the match. The players had to suffer not having much of the ball and having to defend for long periods. But you get the sense that the players have a true togetherness about them and the never-stay-die attitude that I think stems from the manager. Number four, with the ability to counter-attack like we did in the second half, coupled with an improved defence, we're showing more than one facet to our play in the last eight games. Against Everton, we had more of the ball and were able to attack at will than at City. With the removal of the outdated 4-2-3-1 formation, the players are given more strings to their talented bows. Number five, with all the positives of the performance, 
performance and recent run, you saw the plus side and the negatives to our defence. The plus is that you have numbers to cover runners and balls into the box. Luis was a fine example of this. What a game he had. And no, it was not a red card, in my opinion, despite Martin Tyler's wishes. The negative is that with Cahill as the left-sided centre-back against tricky mobile players, he was caught out at times. I love Cahill, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the club invest in a left-sided centre-back in January. That was my point earlier. And number six, there's always been a lot of talk about bringing through youngsters at the club. Chalabar is that next youth player to fully come through. To be brought on at the time he was is the clearest indication yet that Conte sees him as a highly regarded senior player. I fear I may be rambling on, but there's a lot to be said after a fine match played by two very good sides. Yes, City missed chances, but that's football. I also thought that Luis and Conte dealt with the questioning of the awful Aguero tackle well and calmly. Such a bright spot for our season. Such a shame that what followed it was the club's statement about the money paid to Gary Johnson to keep him quiet. I hate that our wonderful club is knee-deep in this scandal. The club will surely face a a sanction from the FA, and it must accept it as fans. I believe we should as well. On that cheery note, Chidge and the boys, again, keep up the excellent work and keep the blue flag flying high. Up the Chelsea. Kind regards, John Carpenter. And he's at John Topee. J-O-N-T-O-P-E-A. On Twitter. Very good. What a, what a crack... What a cracking email, J.K. And, and I mean, rumours that actually the entire script was culled from that email are completely false <laughs> and will be subject to a libel uh, case should anybody disagree. But, I mean, he's pretty much nailed it, hasn't he, there? I, I tell you what, a couple of things that really s- sprung to my mind there, uh, I mean, because we didn't really talk much about uh, how Conte clearly trusts uh, Chaloba. But I think the other thing that, I don't know why, I'm just in this mood tonight to, to nail this kind of thing, but... Uh, you know he's absolutely got it right about i mean if you you know because i wasn't at the game you know you you see this actually it's almost like you have to avoid twitter during the match because it just makes my blood boil because i okay whilst i'm prepared to admit that i had a kind of a bit of a oh bloody hell fabregas is playing but the amount of nappy shitting that goes on before a ball has even been kicked <laughs> what is what is what is that all about what is it all about why we're, do people do that we're all managers chidge aren't we everybody thinks they know better than everybody yeah. that's the trouble but yeah yeah, yeah. I, I agree completely yeah it is bonkers and, and listen I'm breaking news actually because we were talking about Aspilicueta and uh uh, of course, everybody knows that uh, the, the awful song. Well, we shouldn't be judgmental about the songs because any song should be embraced. But the one where we'll just call him Dave, which seems to piss a lot of people off. But Mark has uh, quite right. Mark Barfoot's quite rightly uh, stated that we do, in fact, have another song for Aspilicueta, which, uh, to the tune of the Frank Lampard, uh, he scored two hundred against the Pikey song is Oh Aspilicueta, Oh Aspilicueta. He's like Basingua, but only better. Oh, Aspilicueta. <laughs> which is a cracking song. Fantastic. A cracking song, if I have to say. Um, very quickly, boys, on the Chaloba issue, because, you know, one of the things that I, I meant to bring up when we were talking about, uh, you know, the City game was, you know, if Matic was injured, why did he not play Chaloba and, and instead he played Fabregas, Marco? I mean, you know, do you think... Do you think that Chaloba would have been ready to do that? I, I have to say, I think he is. I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think there'd have been less 
um, uh, comment passed about Chalabar starting as a replacement for Matic than there was about uh, Fabregas starting. Sorry, Misty's Misty's assaulting me at the moment. <laughs> it's her bedtime. Mm. It's mine too, Misty. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to tuck you in bed, JK. <laughs> I tuck you into bed and read you a good time, good night story. <laughs> can I choose the story? Yeah, you can re read him excerpts from Making History, not reliving it, Marco. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think Chalabar has sort of come to the fore of that crop of academy players. Um, not, not. He hasn't come from nowhere, but you know, if you think sort of a, a year ago when it was all going Pete Tong in, in, in grand fashion. Um, it's probably, is it, is it probably knocking on the anniversary of Mourinho getting the sack, isn't it? Must be. Mm, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and everybody was crying out, play the youth, play the youth. Yeah. And, um, but Chalabar's name wasn't really mentioned then, was it? It was all about no. Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um and so it's interesting, Who? really. Yeah, exactly. You know, young Chalabar seems to have really put himself forward. I think it's also interesting. I think Nathan Aki seems to be um, creating headlines um, week in, week out now at Bournemouth, doesn't he? So you sort of yeah. wonder, would, would he feature? Maybe not. It's probably asking too much. But Chalabar, I think, could be the man. Could be. Yeah, let's hope so. He, he look. He, I mean, he doesn't look out of his depth at all, and I always think that that's a really good sign. But you know, he just he looks like he, he you know he's he's been playing for Chelsea for a long time, and I think actually a lot of that's to do with the uh, you know amount of experience he's had on loan, both both at here and abroad. You know, but he, he he looks the real deal. All right, lads, uh, do you want to ping out uh, Daniel? Because I'm aware that we've got two long emails, Jonathan. So, uh, yep, Daniel Barker, it from is. Another thoughts from Daniel Barker. Dear Chidge and the Fancast lads, firstly, I would like to apologise for my foul-mouthed and em em emoji-riddled email a couple of weeks back. I just returned from a 9.5-hour drive from Adelaide back to Melbourne, had a couple of scotches and watched the game, hence why I was a little aggressive and quite drunk. Anyhow, the reason for my email is to firstly congratulate the Chelsea for a magnificent performance against the Spuds and Man City. Even though we didn't play our greatest football at times, but somehow we found a way of getting back and putting the boot in with victories against a couple of our so-called biggest rivals. Which brings me to my next point, system and formation. For some time now, you've been discussing in the fan cast and also with Kerry Dixon, stating that the system and formation don't win football matches, but the players do. With that, I'll have to respectfully disagree. How can you say this when it's quite clear that since we've changed our formation to a 3-4-3 against Arsenal in the second half, that we've conceded only two goals and scored 22 or 23? There was a whole malarkey about bringing Louise back to the club, considering how badly he defends. Yet with him playing the sweeper role with Aspie and Cahill on either side, he has been the solid rock in our defence, agree completely. Do you really think he would be as reliant if we still play with four at the back and perhaps Branner still playing? I personally think not. Another example. 
Eden Hazard. Now that his role has changed and playing a little higher along along with Pedro Willian, having Moses and Alonso behind them, allowing to cover and push forward, we are seeing more goals and smiles on their faces. Is it because Conte conceded defeat and allowed the players to have their way and play wherever they want? No. In my opinion, it's because our fabulous manager has seen where our players best fit in, used that to his advantage with his philosophy and adapted that to his style, whether it's keeping possession or on the counter-attack. Where I will agree is that the one major shift I've seen that Conte has brought is the confidence he has in each individual that's on the pitch and changing their hard-working mentality. That's where we've been definitely lacking in the past. The belief that he's brought has changed the way they play and analyse a game. But to say that the formation makes no difference, in my opinion, is wrong. Chidge, I put this question to you. For quite some time, you've been saying to scrap the 4-2-3-1 formation as it's too negative and bring back the 4-4-2. Is that not a change in system and formation? I would love to hear your opinions on the points I've made. Perhaps my head's a little far up my arse to think that I'm correct. But then again, that's why we love this beautiful game. Opinions and people's different perspectives is what I love. Please, I do not mean any disrespect to anyone, but I felt I just had to voice my opinion and get that off my chest. Let's go for nine in a row, keeping the blue flag flying high over land and sea from Stamford Bridge to the MCG. Your Aussie geezer, <laughs> Daniel Barker, Melbourne, Australia. What a quality email. Wasn't it? wasn't it um i i I, do you think i deserve a right of reply here i think i think i i mean okay look all all i will say in my defense uh daniel is that the only reason i like 442 is because it always gives me the opportunity to quote mike bassett in his favorite formation of four four fucking two um but actually the the real answer to that is that i i i I know where you're coming from because i mean i've discussed it with kerry a lot uh kerry is absolutely of the opinion that it's not about the formations, it's about the players. And actually, I was making the point quite repeatedly to Kerry until I gave in that, uh, agreeing with you, actually, Daniel, that the 3-4-3, the, the three, three, uh, whilst not singularly responsible for our change in formations, but it has allowed us to play in a way that fits better with the players that we have. So I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle you know, I think that, that uh, you know, Kerry, I think, thinks that you, you could play any formation. It doesn't matter. If you've got decent players, you've got decent players, and then, and they will play decently. Whereas I think that actually, you know, changing the formation has got the best out of the players that we've got because they're a better fit. And my example for that was that, you know, as you said, Hazard has more freedom in, in, in that formation to be more devastating and link up with Costa. Uh, clearly, David Luiz is a better kind of cent- the centre of the back three with more of a sweeping role and he can ping a 50-yard ball, so it suits him better. But on the other side of the coin, you know, if you look at the difference between this season and the early part of this season and the, and the switch to the formation, at the end of the day, when you've got, you know, I mean, we, we say it every week, and I mean, he's not unsung because we say it every week, but look at the difference that Kante has made in that midfield because it's like having two players in there which possibly allowed Matic to get more confidence and get back to his old self and perhaps on Saturday mitigated Fabregas and his lack of defensive discipline being in there as well. So to answer you in short, I would say it's a combination of the formation and the players. 
So there we go. So I'm kind of really playing a middle furrow. It's Kerry who's absolutely adamant that it's about the players. And at the end of the day, you're right, it is about opinions. But it's just about different perspectives as well, you know, and I think they, 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 all, they all contribute in some way, shape or form. Um, Dan, would you have anything to say, perhaps to back me up on that or to yeah, completely no. disagree with me? After all, it's a game of opinions. I think what Kerry says is players with matches, not formations. I, I kind of agree with that to a point. But the thing with <clears throat> where we're set up now, we've essentially got six defenders. Because when we go, when we're defending, Kante drops in, you've got that wall of six defending very deep, which is very difficult to get behind. So we are defensively very yeah. sound. Because City try and play between the lines, and you can't play between the lines. When you're deep, you know, we're, we're tough to break down. You've got the, you know, the, the offensive players sort of waiting on the edge of the box, like for the uh, third goal, who was Fabregas and Alonso, has us always started the run. Boom, the ball's over the top, has us away. And within, was it, eight seconds, we, sc- we score a goal. So I think there's a you know, combination of our title-winning players getting back to the best, Conte giving them confidence, and yes, adapting the way we play. You know, we've got we've got round square pegs and square holes now, which makes such a difference. We've got players playing their natural positions mm-hmm. on their natural foot. Aspie's not at left back having to check back check back in every time. So it makes it makes a difference when players are playing in their right position. You know, using their strongest strongest assets and strongest abilities um, to the, you know all combined together to make us a you know a, a machine. I would say machine like mm. a silver machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think hopefully we've answered you, Daniel. But as Marco said, what an absolutely humdinger of an email. Um, I feel we've got another one, actually, Jonathan. Another humdinger. We do. It's from uh, it's from Mac Bergson himself. Mm. Chidge, I have three cheers to celebrate this week's win over my brother's favourite team, Manchester City. To win the first game of the weekend against a loved one's favourite team, followed by a comical collapse by the Scousers, thanks to our boy Nathan Ake, deserves three full-throated cheers. Cheers number one goes to our dear Stanford Chidge himself, who on the Kerry Dixon preview show correctly predicted that we could hurt them on the break and discussed Costa's improved passing ability, both of which were critical to the Blues collecting all the spoils. If you're a fan of the Chelsea fancast and not listening to the preview show what in the hell is wrong with you it's a great companion to the fan cast and i always laugh out loud when kerry refers to our beloved beloved chidge as dave (laughs) 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 he means espliqueta obviously (laughs) cheers number two goes to antonio conti and the players look it's all great to play pretty football and set up lots of intricate passes but when you're playing the big boys, and thank goodness CFC is back to being one of the big boys, you have to defend. Say what you want about the wasted chances Manchester City had to go 2-0 or 3-0. Their defending was shambolic. You can forgive the late hazard goal as you're chasing a result, but the first and second goals were way too easy. Maybe I'll regret saying this one day, but I'm happy we didn't get stones last year. And Otto Mendy is making City's Mangala deal look reasonable. Hats off to Cahill, who shook off an unfortunate own goal and the rest of the and the rest of the defence, who withstood City's barrages and just kept digging in. No quit in those guys. And the class that David Luiz showed in the post-game presser filled my heart with joy. Yeah, me too. Final cheers goes to Cesc Fabregas. I thought they should have sold him, and I still think they probably should sell him next summer while he's still worth something. He doesn't fit the system and drives me crazy when he doesn't fucking tackle. But he's responded to a difficult situation like a true pro. 
a top 50 player who's sitting on the bench could make life difficult for a new manager, but he's handled the situation well and had the key assist on the Costa goal. Hats off to him for his handling of the situation and for coming up big when it counts. Thanks for the team's hard work on both shows. I love them both. My prayers go out to all those in the Chelsea and Chelsea fancast family who lost loved ones in the Chappie-Coency tragedy. Keep the blue flag flying high. Mac Bergson, Jacksonville, Florida. Excellent. Lovely email that, wasn't it? I'm, you know, again, uh, picking up a lot of the points we made in the show, uh, possibly more art, in a more articulate manner than our good selves, but well done. Um, time is oppressing, so I, we, we have to disappear, really. But just before we do, I'd just like to say we do, I mean, Jonathan will absolutely validate this, but we love... Uh, receiving your emails they're always very good and of course uh, I always try and get get them all in actually every time you send an email I promise to read it out on the show uh, so do send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com and make sure you get them in before a Monday so by Sunday if possible then they'll they'll guaranteed to get in the script now I'm afraid that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll, we'll be back next Monday, the 12th of December, when I have absolutely no idea who Jonathan and I will be joined by, as I haven't done the schedule yet. Um, but I, I will get my finger out of my rear end and do that this week. Uh, nevertheless, we'll be back to report back on the match against West Brom. Um, but before that, as Mac was saying, uh, don't forget to download the next Kerry Dixon preview show, which will probably be out Thursday or Friday this week. Uh, which, as always, will be full of uh, the great sense and wisdom that the great legend that is Kerry Dixon always comes out with, and a little bit of me disagreeing with him and then being shot down, which is kind of how it should work. Anyway, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Marco at Gate17Marco, and Dan at Dan Silves 73 And, of course, check uh, out the new and updated uh, Chelsea fancast.com website marco I, I i have got a section in there called our friends and there's a little bit there on gate 17 which you probably wouldn't know because you probably haven't had a look no i shall look there we go no i've given you all a plug all the people that i love most in this chelsea world uh, get a little section on the chelsea fancast website so how about that Okay, no comment. That's fine. Um, <laughs> got Great, he's carrying. I don't know why I bother. Thanks. Don't Chid. know why I bother. I mean, you know. Thank you, Chid. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, I Chid. Thinking, thinking, yeah. I was thinking, am I up there? I was thinking, thank you, Chid. You are. You are. You're. You're. You're in the. You're. You're in the bit that says, uh, "What is the Chelsea fan cast?" Yeah, I think I've uh, read. But I've be... seen it. Yeah, I'm just thinking this new bit. I was wondering yeah. whether that was there. I must have a look. Yeah. Well, no, because you see, you're not an organisation. Oh, know. I see. Gate seventeen, yeah. Gates. I could be. If you like. Well, you could be. I mean, I, I've had I've had it told on good authority that you're actually a brand, Jonathan. Yeah, I'd like that very much. The Jonathan Kid brand. Yeah. The yeah. brand. Jonathan Kid, the brand. Team, team Kid. Uh, but anyway, look, <laughs> I might be taking the piss, but our, our website has been revitalised and it is a work of beauty. The only thing missing is lots of blogs and articles on there, which uh, come the new year, I will be concentrating on and doing a lot more work. I promise. Anyway, enough of that. Um, boys, it's been brilliant having you on the show this week. Uh, Mark, as always, an absolute pleasure. I thoroughly look forward to seeing you uh, on Saturday. Uh, no, even Sunday. A, at the match, and B, at Walter Otten's book launch. Indeed, sir. Quick reminder, where is it? It's at the Atlas Public House, which is on Seagrave Road. So if you wander out of 
Stamford Bridge, turn left, walk through West Brompton Cemetery, um, and then do another left, and it's the I don't know about the second or third left. Um, Sixties. It's fifteen minute walk from the ground. Um, Excellent. It should be great fun. I'll be, all the usual suspects will be there, no doubt. And I will be having a jar with the great man that is Walter Otten and hopefully getting a signed book from him. Uh, how, how much are they flogging for, Marco? Tenor. Tenor. Only a tenor. You know it makes sense. Well, Marco, as always, a pleasure and an honour to have you on the show. Jesus. Dan, um, it's great to great to catch up with you, my old mucker. Yeah. Again, it's been a while. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Well, yeah, because I've got your ticket from Johnny T, so... Oh Christ on a bike! You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have completely. I don't. You know what I would have done? I'd have wandered in. I'd have probably been late, missed the pub. I would have wandered in the ground. And thought, hang on, where's my ticket? <laughs> and then I'd realise that you've got it. So thank yeah. you for reminding me of that. No uh, I'll probably see you in the pub for a very quick drink because I mean it's a it's a bloody ridiculously early yeah, kickoff on I think Sunday, it'd be isn't it? Cheeky pint for the game and then concentrate afterwards. Mm. All right, well, we, we will liaise before then, but I will Definitely. see you on Sunday. Jonathan, as always, a mighty, mighty privilege and pleasure to have you on the show uh, as my right-hand man. Hugely And great work with the emails, Huge. mate. Hugely enjoyable, as always. Excellent. Okay, mate. Well, if I don't see you at the game on Sunday, I shall, we shall reconvene next Monday, and hopefully we'll be joined by two guests should I actually bother to get a schedule out and let them know. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, that's enough. That's Cheers enough from us, Lot. Uh, to... Yeah, to you lot, to you lot out there, as as always, uh, thank you for listening. It's always great fun to read your posts in Mixler. I know I don't get time to reply to them all, but I do have a look at them as they're all scrolling down. Uh, many thanks to you. Many thanks to my guests this week. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chels! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.